Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. It's the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here today with Ray Fittipaldo. Now that the draft is done for the Steelers, we're going to take a whole look back at how they accrued so much good value, especially for those four early picks on day one and day two. All that and more right here again on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports, from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello, welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here today with Ray Fittipaldo. We're both of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, where you can get all our content at post-gazette.com. But if you want our podcasts and our videos, you can check out all our podcasts and audio form on your favorite podcasting app, from Apple to Spotify, Google Podcasts, however you listen to your podcast. But also, you can get us on YouTube, like this video if you're enjoying on YouTube, subscribe to this channel to get all of our daily, daily content that comes out for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and especially our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday episodes of the North Shore Drive Podcast. Again... He's Chris. Uh, he's Ray Fittipaldo. I'm Chris Carter. Ray, we talked about Broderick Jones in this show on fr- Friday Friday morning, going into um, you know just what 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 that did for the Steelers' offensive line. We we also talked about how wow Joey Porter Jr. fell to the second round, and him and Brian Branch as, as options. And you and I talked about the potential of maybe a trade back, maybe going with another position because there's still so many corners that that, that you know, both of us think would be really good fits for the Steelers that are on the board. But they stayed home and and got Joey Porter with the 32nd overall pick, which still comes off like a win if, you're th- if, you, if you had him projected to be a first-round pick. But in your eyes, what was the Steelers? Well, you know, Jerry Dulac, uh, you know, our colleague, was, was, was saying, hey, the Steelers were trying to move that pick, but they were only getting a fourth-round pick in return for moving it, and so they picked the best player available. What led to you think them just jumping all over Joey Porter Jr. instead of going the trade route? Oh, I think just what you said. I, I think they listened to offers. I think they were, um, you know, excited to field them. But in the end, when you don't get anything that's very appetizing, or you don't think you're getting value back in return, you got to turn around and you got to pick the best player um, on the board. And uh, for the Steelers, I thought it worked out. Perfectly, Joey Porter Jr. not only fit that bill, I think, on their board, but also filled a need. They needed to get a cornerback um, in the first two days of the draft. I, I think ideally you get one with a high pick. And I think, you know, the situation now, Joey Porter comes in. Uh, Terrell Austin said he's not going to be redshirted. He's going to get every opportunity to start. And I think it's perfect. Pair him with Patrick Peterson, mm-hmm. have him take him under his wing for. May, June, July, August, September, and uh, just let them work. And I, I think sometimes you have to live with rookie mistakes. But you know, Chris, what are you going to do? Are you going to play Levi Wallace ahead of Joey Porter? Are you right. going to play Akella Witherspoon? I mean, you got to you got to eat. You know, take some lumps as a rookie. Go ahead and take him. I think Joey Porter Jr. is going to be a good player in time. 
Yeah, I, I feel you on that. And we know when they first get to training camp, you know, the, the older guys will have the positions. It's normally the, the way that things go at the Steelers training camp. But I wouldn't be surprised if by by the first preseason game, Joey Porter Jr. is that guy that's starting out on the outside across from Patrick Peterson. Because uh, you're right, you know, they, you don't take a guy at 32nd, 32 overall and think that he's not going to at least have a, de- a decent chance to start. But then they also get Keanu Benton in the second round, a guy you and I talked about who performed very well at the senior – at the senior bowl, there were seemed to be a lot of really good things on both sides between the Steelers and his and his side of, uh, of negotiations or, you know, the draft process and recruiting and everything that the Steelers were doing that they both liked each other. And I look at that and I, I look at Keanu Benton and he kind of represents the size that they were looking for, you know, a six, four with long arms through over 300 pounds, a, a guy who can be a nose tackle or be a, a, de- a defensive tackle that's going to that can play behind. Hayward, Nogan, Joby, and maybe even work with the Marvin Leal to be the next generation of the Steelers starters in the up front. Yeah, I, I like the Benton pick. Um, you know, I, I think he's got – he's not Javon Hargrave, but he's got Javon Hargrave versatility, if you know what I mean. Right. So you stick him in here uh, as the nose. He'll be your starting nose tackle from day one. And then um, even though he didn't have a lot of uh, pass rush production – at Wisconsin, you hope that, uh, you know, the the measurables eventually come out when you work with him as a pro. So he'll get an opportunity, just as Javon Hargrave did, um, you know, to play three technique and sub packages. And, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. I, I think it's a solid pick. You know, the only, um, the only thing the Steelers didn't get in this draft that I thought was a need was that defensive end five technique type. But, mm. listen, the, the NFL is changing. Um, you know, you just have to find good players and, and you know, plug them in where, where you can. So they didn't get Keon White or Brian Brzee. Um, you know, that future Cam Hayward, I guess, is still out there. Maybe they find a way to get him next year. But for right now, um, you know, Benton's your, your nose tackle. I'm sure he'll beat out Fehoko and uh, uh, Montrevious Adams. Um, talk about a, 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 a traffic jam at one position. I mean – that was not good news for Montrevious Adams. You know, they obviously like Fehoko. They signed him. Um, you know, they got a glut of defensive linemen right now. And I think, you know, in the end, three or four of those guys aren't going to make the roster. No, I agree. It's a, it, it's a, you know, it's a stacked up position that they've set up for themselves, but you know, Mike Thomas, they want to see competition. They want to see guys coming in. And Montrevious Adams was a fine, you know, just, you know, stealing of a, of a practice squad player that turned into a guy that they could use in a position that they really needed. But he also wasn't dominant. He also wasn't, you know, he, he was a guy that was a good fill-in player. They need guys who are going to be run stuffers coming off, coming off the bench. Guys that can give Cam Hayward and Ogan Joby and their and their top guys a, a breather. And you know, I, I think Montrevious Adams just did a fine job. But you want guys that aren't gonna, just going to do a fine job, especially again when you're in the position that you are now, when you're not paying for a franchise quarterback on you know a non-rookie salary because. Now you can balance the roster more. You when you have a, a big bill on your salary cap, like Ben Roethlisberger's was, sometimes you gotta settle for that because, especially if you're paying for other top talents that are on the team, you just can't spread too much significant more money around. Um, and then also, you know, you're you're usually picking on on in the NFL draft for specific needs here and there to kind of complete your team instead of just building with your best players uh, that, that overall that you see on, on the board. So. I see Keanu Benton um, as a big part of 
what they're trying to do as far as the defensive depth that they can rotate in and out and that they can be fresh, have fresh legs. Mike Thomas talked about that for years, you know, that they want to have guys ready to go in the early part of the fourth quarter, because that's usually what, what the way, when, when the tone gets set uh, for the end of the game. Uh, I think that they're much closer to having that this year than they've had in a few years now. Yeah. You know who this was a lifeline for? Who? Isaiah Laudermilk. Mm. I, I think he's going to get every opportunity um, to, to to be a, a guy you, that you can stick into the rotation, and they'll want to see if he could eventually be the replacement for Cam Hayward. That is unless unless they're truly not married to that versatility that they talk about with Leal. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, maybe they're going to ask Leal just to get up around 300 pounds and you're going to be a five technique. But they really seem to like that versatility. They like to use him on the edge as well. So if that indeed does continue, I think Loudermilk just by default, and we know if he, he's had injuries, we know he's been a disappointment. But, um, you know, it looks like now he'll get one last shot to prove he's worthy of being on this roster. Yeah, I, I think I think he will. But, again, you know, I think that, that they're bringing in competitions assigned to everybody. You know, make make nobody's job is safe. Make sure you come and deliver in camp and be ready to deliver throughout the year. I want to talk to Ray more about some of these other picks that came out th- through the rest of the draft, especially Darnell Washington and how he fell so far and what kind of value he could bring to the Steelers this year and moving forward. All that in a few minutes here. But first, we got to talk to you guys about our great sponsors, GameTime.co, the best place to go get tickets for your favorite events where it shouldn't be stressful to get these kind of tickets game times helps it not be stressful because they're fast and easy and they help get your tickets to sporting events music events comedy concerts theater events all the all things that are near you and they give you killer deals on last minute tickets and they have a best price guarantee that you can't deny you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped up with the fun you'll have with tickets from gametime.co download the game time app on your mobile device and you can book tickets up to the last minute that you if, even if you didn't plan that far out of advance and you'll find the best prices that work that work for you these are the price and if they their their game time guarantee means that if the, if you get a price there if you and you find another price but in the same section and the same row for less somewhere else game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference so go so go and download game time to your phone or go to their website gametime.co to snag tickets without the stress and when you download the game time app create an account and use the code p-i-t-t pit for 20 dollars off your first purchase that's p-i-t-t all capital letters all one word pit for 20 dollars off your first purchase at gametime.co terms and conditions apply create an account and redeem code pit for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, I'm Chris Carter. He's Ray Fittipaldo. Ray, we we talked about the second round guys in the last in the last uh, segment there, but Darnell Washington also was graded with a second round uh, kind of kind of position here, uh, and he slipped not just to the third round, but to the late third round. The Steelers stayed pat at 80 before the draft, but then they traded they they, they traded down when 80 felt when it fell to 80, and Darnell Washington was there, and a lot of people were were, were thinking like. It would make a lot of sense for him to be there. Mike Tomlin has expressed his his wanting of a tight end or his appreciation for the talent in this tight end class. Uh, but then they traded down, and everyone was like, "Wow, you're trading down 13 more picks, and in doing so, you get back a fourth round pick." Um, now, if you wanted them to take Trenton Simpson, they passed on that opportunity. He ended up going to the Ravens, the linebacker out of Clemson, with a lot of speed. But they still get Darnell Washington. <laughs> we understand that there was a knee injury in play here, but Ray. 
why were the why were why were so many teams willing to pass on a guy that the Steelers were very happy to take in this late third? Well, I think two things. Uh, you know, you talked about the medical red flags. Um, he he heard from some teams that um, a man of his size, who's had some knee swelling, that was a concern for teams. And I believe there was one surgery in college. Uh, the way Darnell made it sound it was kind of like a cleanup cartilage type of thing. It wasn't anything all that serious on his end. But obviously, for some NFL teams, um, uh, it was an issue. And the Steelers felt comfortable taking him where they did. Obviously, they didn't feel strongly um, that they had to give him, get him an 80. That's why they dealt that pick. But I thought it was a situation where at 93, they didn't feel like they could pass it up, right? And I, I think the other aspect of this is, you know, Darnell Washington um, is a really, really good blocking tight end. Um, mm -hmm. You know, refers to himself as a sixth offensive lineman. Now, some people believe that uh, there is some upside because of his athleticism that he can turn into a better cast catcher, cast pass catcher in the pros. But he's never done that, so that that's a big unknown as far as I know. And I, I watched some some film of him over the weekend. Mm -hmm. um, for a guy with his athleticism, I think you would you watch him in the open field. He doesn't have great escapability, right? Like he's right. Uh, he's kind. He kind of lumbers, and mm. um, you know, he, he's that type of a uh, of a pass catcher. So I think those two things probably brought him down um, into that third round range. I think if not for uh, the medical stuff, he would have been a second round pick. But you know, some people had a first round grade on him at, in, in twenty twenty three. I don't know who has a first round grade on a guy who's just a blocking tight end. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Yeah, and that's going to be a big question is, will he be more of a blocking tight end, especially this first year? Because uh, I mean, there's not he, – he does have plays where he goes down the field and makes catches. He does have plays where he catches a short pass and he's able to, like, you know, hurdle defenders and and use, and then you know, run through tackles. So, clearly, he's, he is an athletic weapon that, that can be used there. But I, I'm right with you on the blocking aspect of things. Pat Fryermuth right now is primarily a receiving tight end. He's a guy that we even talked about before the draft. You can if you drafted another tight end that could be a blocking presence on the field, you run 12 personnel, you could effectively use Pat Fryermuth in a lot of different ways, move him to the slot, have him have him kind of act more like a receiver, while that's while that second tight end can be your blocker. Now, even if they didn't draft Darnell Washington, that probably was gonna that was probably gonna be Zach Gentry. But now that you've drafted Darnell Washington, if he develops the right way, if he comes into camp and he's healthy and you see good things from him and he's buying into the system, it does give you that option to have that really big six seven guy who's a mauler of a blocker. And again, Zach Gentry's six eight. It's not like he's short on height, but Zach Gentry does didn't doesn't move people the way that Darnell Washington did, even if you even comparing a, a rookie to a to a veteran NFL player. And I think that's where you might see a little bit more flexibility from the Steelers' offense this year if Washington uh, is is ready to go early on because 
that, that 12 personnel package opportunity where you got two receivers, Johnson and Pickens, most likely then two tight ends and Fryermuth and Washington, and then running a running back with Najee Harris. It it'll, it'll give Kenny Pickett the chance to kind of run with a heavy formation or attack with, you know, bigger options in the middle part of the field, an area that the Steelers need to exploit more with their offense. Yeah. I mean, listen, if Matt Cannon and Mike Tomlin give Kenny Pickett the opportunity to call more audibles, um, they could have checks you know, if people want to line up with heavy personnel on defense, when you come up with that package, uh, you could easily, um, you know, have Pat Fryermuth split out as a third receiver. You could send Washington out in, in, um, in a pattern as well. And then you would have Pickens, Johnson, Fryermuth in, in Washington, and you know Najee Harris out in in, uh, in the route tree. So you know, I, I think there are a lot of possibilities there. But I think in the end, I think the Steelers are going to be. Um, uh, a team with a running identity. I think this mm-hmm. is a big step forward for them. I agree with you. I think Zach Gentry is a is a is a good number two tight end. He might be number three now, but there's nothing wrong with upgrading. And if Darnell Washington is indeed your best blocking tight end on day one, he'll be in the lineup and he'll be uh, paving the way for Najee Harrison company to help him improve that uh, that running game. Where do you see the Steelers running game being being next year? Because uh, th- this past year, uh, I think they, they finished 16th in to- in total yards, gained 25th in yards per attempt. But they were able to run the ball more in the later part of the year. You go back to the Panthers and Raiders and Ravens and Browns games at the end of the season, the last month really through December and, and early early January, uh, they were able to run the ball on people. In fact, like you know, against the Panthers, they kind of ran the ball down their throats a little bit there, but they got over 100 yards in each of their last four games. And, you know, they also got over 100 yards in all but one game after their bye week last year. Uh, what's going to be the difference this year that makes this run game, it doesn't make it more dynamic with this offensive line and the tight end that they've got and the development that they've had? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think Broderick Jones is an upgrade over Dan Moore, and I think Isaac Sayamalu is an upgrade over Kevin Dotson. So, just from a talent perspective, I, I think that's a win for the Steelers. I think they got off to a slow start for a couple of reasons. Number one being Najee Harris had a toe injury and he wasn't quite himself, um, you know, until midway through the season. And then number two, how many new offensive linemen did the Steelers have last season? You mm-hmm. had Mason Cole coming in at the pivot. Um, he was new. James Daniels was new. Um, Dotson was new in his role. So it took those guys – some time to, to, to get it going. And when they did get it going, it was better, but you know, were they world beaters by, you know, were they absolutely pushing people around every single game? No. I mean, I thought they were a little bit above average, um, you know, in the second half of the season. So get a chance to upgrade. Uh, I think the nice thing is Cole Daniels or core four presumably will be unchanged. There won't be any issues there. All you got to do is get Jones and say on the same page then I think uh, you won't have to wait until midseason to get going. I, I think, you know, as long as everyone's healthy, maybe you could, uh, uh, you know, maybe you can get that going in September, if not September, maybe you get it going in October this year instead of November. Yeah, I do think most of this line being established and them having an identity and understanding how to work together and plugging in a rookie into that, where he's more so filling in than, you know, kind of figuring out where everyone's place is. 
that I think that puts them in such a better position than they were last year. I mean, you go back and like you said, you look, it took them a while to kind of get on the same page. And that's, that's not unique either. Like, you know, you were around when Ray, uh, when, uh, when uh, I think it was David DeCastro took out Marquise Pouncey's knee in the opening game, I think it was like 2013 and they had to switch to Fernando Vasquez, but like li- literally the Steelers offensive line, even before it became the really good line of, tw- of the 2010s, they, they used to like run into each other. There, there was time it took for them to develop chemistry and to become a thing. And that, that's again, you know, put some temperament on those expectations saying, Hey, they're not going to be the super dominant group right away. But if they, if they continue to coalesce like they did last year and with Somalo and, and uh, Broderick Jones, uh, on the line, I, I think there's a higher ceiling for when they do co- coalesce and come together and start playing as a more efficient together unit. Yeah, and I, I, I think there's got to be an emphasis. You got to get that done in training camp. You got to get that done in the preseason this year. If you want to make the playoffs, you can't have Najee Harris running for 35 yards a game in September, 20 yards a game. You know, some of the low outputs that he had when they were struggling in that first half of the season. So work on it in June in OTAs and minicamp. Um, if you got to dress in full pads for much training camp to get that accomplished, do it. That's your identity. You can't have another slow start to the 2023 season. Absolutely. We'll be right back in a second here. I want to talk to Ray about more of these picks, especially the Nick Hervig pick. You talked about it earlier. We'll get some more thoughts on how he fits into the defense and what the Steelers did defensively in this draft as a whole for what they can be next year. All right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, I'm Chris Carter. He's Ray Fittipato. Ray, let, let's move down the list here to their fourth round pick that they traded back in the third round to get. Again, they traded away their, their 120th pick uh, for Broderick Jones in the first round to move up with the Patriots. Then they trade down and get and get back a, a fourth round pick that was just 12 spots behind uh, where they where they where they were going to pick if they didn't trade away the 120th. So at 132, they get Nick Herbig. Now, of course, there's a storyline of well, they got another set of brothers again. It's, it's they keep that line going. But Herbig's an experienced guy that played outside linebacker for Wisconsin. What do you think is you know you talked about him earlier? Maybe you know he doesn't fit the traditional five to like the, the, the edge guy, the the bigger edge guys that people look for. But is he a guy that? can play outside linebacker, be a bench guy who comes in and, and, and generates pressure while T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith rest? Or like some people are saying, is he a guy that you move to off-ball linebacker because of his his lack of big size? Well, they're not going to do that right away. They're going to play him at outside linebacker, and if they're going to do that, they're going to commit to adding at least 10 pounds to his frame. So I, I see that's you know, where he's going to start off. And uh, that's why you drafted him. You you were so thin at outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they had to make a move there in this draft. So he was very productive at Wisconsin. Um, I thought a lot of his sacks and a lot of the plays he made came with second effort. Um, but I think, you know, what, what they're going to be looking for, where I think T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith can help him out, uh, is like a pass rush plan, right? So, you know, if you get stuck on your first move, don't get stalled. Um, you know, don't mm-hmm. just count off on your effort to to run that guy down. You know, you got to have a second and third move to counter an offensive tackle if he if he um, you know stops you on the on the first try. So, um, you know, he's a fourth round pick for a reason. I thought he was very productive. Didn't have a great combine or anything like that. He's not a great athlete, but uh, he's a really really good football player. When you get a guy 
who produced, a guy who has experience. I think the Steelers have a long history of turning those guys into good players. Their top defensive picks, of course, Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, and uh, Nick Herbig here. What is the message you think is, be, is being sent to the defense for how it's how things can be different this year? The Steelers' defense still finished top 10 in scoring last year, 13th in, in yards overall. Um they were able. They were able to kind of keep keep the team. They were the the, the driving point for the team for the, for the team last year with the most interceptions in football. But you look at Joey Porter, not a, not a whole lot of ball production, but a physical corner who could play who could play on the outside. Keanu Benton, not a you know a, a guy who kind of developed his pass rush skills in college a little late, but more of a run stuffer as he is. The Nick Herbig, a guy who can come off the bench and give you significant snaps there uh, at outside linebacker. How does this fit into what the Steelers? can be as an identity on defense with uh with you know in their hopes that TJ Watt can be healthy for the whole year. Well, I mean that that's the main point, right? Last year they kind of had to figure it out a different way. You know, they they lost TJ Watt. Um they didn't lead the league in sacks for the first time in five years. Um, you know, I give them credit. They ended up leading the league um in interceptions, tied for the league league with 20. So they still had a they still found a way to get it done, that defense is a big part of that run they made in the second half of the season. But this team is built, make no mistake, around T.J. Watt, around Alex Highsmith, Cam Hayward, guys who can rush the passer. And I think if they can get back um, to, to producing the way they did, say, 2018 through 2021, um, I think that'll make Joey Porter Jr. look really, really good. I think that'll make Patrick Peterson look good and Levi Wallace, um, presumably if he's number three, in sub. So, you know, it's not like they went out and got, um, they, they didn't feel like they, they had to trade up and get a corner in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they went for the trenches in this draft. And I think uh, again, on offense and defense, um, that's who they want to be. What did, uh, Keanu Benton said, Mike Tomlin wants goons. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that should tell you right there. They, they've been told throughout this process what they want in return. And I think it's up to these guys, who were drafted this this weekend and guys who are coming back obviously as well to uh you know live up to that and to uh you know bring that mentality and that physicality back to the Steelers defense. Well, let's talk about that goon aspect too because when when, when you say goon on the football field, guys that are going to be dominant, guys that are going to be powerful um and, and set, set the tone especially at the line of scrimmage and, and kind of knocking, you know, dictating the pace of the game, you know, whether it's you know, whether it's Broderick Jones on the offensive line for the run game, Keanu Benton, you know, on the defensive line for the run game, Joey Porter Jr., he may not be a guy that's going to, you know, he, he can help in the run game, but he's a guy that more so when it comes to physicality, how he presses receivers with his long arms. He's six foot three, he has really great arms, uh, arm, arm length for his, for his position. And he's going to be a guy that, you know, maybe he just more, his, maybe his best attribute will be how he knocks players out of their routes and takes them longer to develop, which, messes up the timing for your court for quarterbacks and gives more time for tj watt highsmith and hayward to get home you know and then you know you 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 look across the board they already have kind of a physical identity when you look at uh you know how levi wallace played last year how how the the defensive line played last year we got to see how these linebackers work and they didn't add an off-ball linebacker in this draft in this draft class but still this kind of does fit the mentality of the steelers want to be bullies back on back on the field on both sides of the ball and, and size was a big part of this draft. We didn't mention him yet, but Corey Trice um, yeah. was a seventh-round pick. He's got some of the same measurables um, as Joey Porter Jr. So maybe mm-hmm. this is the way 
that Grady Brown wants to play defense now. And I, I think it's a trend of this draft, too. You look at – we've talked for weeks about how this was a class uh, loaded with big and tall corners. Look at when guys like uh, Travius Tom, uh, Tomlinson Hodges came off the board. Mm-hmm. Look when Clark Phillips came off the board. So I think there's a trend going away from smaller guys in the secondary, um, probably because of the mismatch issues. Um, and I think there's just a trend that uh, bigger guys are going to be playing. I don't know how it's going to work out for the Steelers in the slot. I mean, they signed this uh, Chandon Sullivan. Chandler Sullivan. He's mm-hmm. 5'11". We know what Mallet is. He's, he's not a cover guy. Um, so obviously you, you, you need guys of all different shapes and sizes, but on the outside at least, it seems like the Steelers are done with, you know, six-foot corners. They want six one, six two guys who can run, press, and, and be physical on the outside. No, I, I do wonder about that. I was going to ask about Chandler Sullivan, uh, you know, a, a signing. It kind of reminded me of when the Steelers got DeMonte KZ right after the draft last year. You know, they they finished their draft day and then DeMonte KZ was a quick signing right after that because they didn't get the safety presence that they really wanted in, in that draft class last year. Uh, but then also, you know, you're looking at you know, at, at this year, you know, slot corner was something you and I talked about was, you know, that was where they could probably double dip in the draft. They double dipped at cornerback, but they got another outside, bigger, bigger, long arm guy. And then they signed, um, you know, their extra slot guy, Chandler Sullivan, you know, a guy that no, not, he's not like, you know, a premier talent at the slot position. He's a guy who's, you know, he's five years experience in the NFL. He was playing for the Vikings. He had played for, I think the bears and the Packers as well. Um, and, you know, he, he's given up some big plays, but he also had five or career interceptions. And I think that when you look at at least him on tape, he's a little more uh, used to playing the ball than Arthur Marlette, where Arthur Marlette's more of like your downhill, go hit, right. go attack the run, bring pressure on, on the blitz type of guy. Right. Yeah. So they, they have one of each now. They got the good run stopper where Marlette can play against certain team or in certain situations in games. And then when you play teams like probably Cincinnati and, other teams that throw the ball around a little bit more. Hopefully Sullivan will be that guy. My question is, are they done? Um, will they take a look so. at will they take a look at these guys in OTAs and minicamp and see what they have? And then hey, listen, they've done it before. Kevin Colbert had to go out and trade for Brandon Boykin. Mm-hmm. I think it was t- 10 days into the 2015 training camp because he didn't like what he saw. Um, I think he did that again in 2016 or 2017, it was 2017, Jesse James wasn't cutting it in training camp. He makes a move and goes out and gets Vance McDonald a week before the season. So, you know, it's not like Sullivan is locked in now. He's your slot corner. Right. It's not like that. Um, if they can improve their roster in June, July, August, or September, I think they'll do that. But, hey, at least for Sullivan and some of these other guys, now they get a chance to prove that they can play. I guess we see, we'll see if they can. I, I hear you on that. I what I'm intrigued to see is you know when we talk about some of these additions, how some of these guys also fall into special teams roles because oftentimes that's how you really make the roster. Especially if we're talking about some of these seventh rounders, these late uh, free agent signings, and even some of the UDFA's that that, that they brought on board. Uh, but that's gonna be that's gonna be a huge role in this too. Like you know Chandler Sullivan, if he wants to make the team, he's probably gonna need to either be the top slot corner or at least make sure that he's helping out on special teams. I think Corey Trice, it's going to be a big part of his element there. James Pierre, you know, got snaps because he was a good special teamer who developed into being a, a uh, you know, an adequate cornerback that they could put on the field in a pinch. Um, but a lot of that comes from being available to help the Steelers on, on multiple units 
We'll see how that plays out and who ends up being the guy. The, like we were talking about, rookie camp is going to be cut right around the corner. We haven't gotten official dates for it yet. We're anticipating that to happen next week when the rookies officially report to the Steelers facility and we start to get our, our, our first look at how these guys are being trained heading into the season. We'll have lots more of that kind of coverage here for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm Chris Carter. He's Ray Fittipato. Find all of our content at post-gazette.com or you can subscribe right now to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Ray, thanks as always for being on the show. We'll be back when Wednesday, talking more Steelers and more NFL draft and also get back to some of this Buckos talk as they have put up some really good numbers here. Uh, uh, now that we're transitioning into May, we'll look back at how that's how, how that's happened and a lot more with our guy, Jason Mackey. But until then, thank you for enjoying the North Shore Drive podcast with Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's Ray Fittipato. I'm Chris Carter. We'll see you guys again very soon right here on this channel. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.